0: Welcome to Live in the Napa. You're here with JB and David Cunningham. Now, JB, we're up to episode 24. That's pretty much half a year. Can wow. you
1: believe it? Yeah, we're getting better at this, I yeah. think. Yeah, actually, it interesting.
0: <laughs> it's interesting to look back because I think one of the very first one, or maybe the second one, we talked about construction costs. And actually, where the housing prices had bottomed, and we called it back then, 24 weeks ago, that they had, and we were right we've been calling inflation on its way down and therefore interest rates are on their way down for a while. I don't know if we'll claim victory yet, but that's a topic for later in the conversation. But hey, shall we start with the topic at the moment, the election? And um, look, what was interesting today is we got this, well uh, yesterday, you know, this word lucky Luxon." <laughs> that's probably more about the inflation side. But what's your reflection on the result that we had on Saturday night?
1: Well, I think as expected. You've got to be mindful, A eh? Half a million special votes is quite a few. Yeah. So it's like you get election night and then you get like a massive chunk of the votes coming through afterwards. So yeah. we've obviously got a centre-right government. We're all expecting that. I think the thing that was a surprise, obviously, on election night was just the swing away from Labour, right? And like when you saw it at an electorate level... Uh, there was a massive swing from red to blue. And and obviously, some of those senior Labour guys losing their seats. But look, the thing for me is, um, if I reflect on it more from uh, an economy perspective and say, well, cool, you know, we're always getting changes of government, and always useless as each other, right? So um, there's occasional talent in uh, there, oh. don't <laughs> Anyway, you know, so we've got this change of government. I think what what it's going to drive is certainly an improvement in business confidence because this will be a much more business friendly government. I think it will drive pockets of improvement. And consumer confidence, um, you know, particularly for people like homeowners and stuff, mm. and property mm. investors, where our previous government was probably viewed as being pretty anti-property. So I think property is a winner from this. But I think the thing is, we've got to be careful not to get carried away because there's this really weird thing in New Zealand where we have these two camps. We have everyone that's kind of doom gloom, the world's coming to an end, New Zealand's going to end up in a big dark hole and then we have people that kind of properties you know double every 10 years mm. always go up and everything and they seem to find It's sort of
0: the swinging pendulum that goes one way and then the other way and when it's a national government business i'm more, I'm more positive on what they say i'm not sure if it really makes a lot of difference to what they do but this <laughs> sort of this, this sort of mood hey and the other thing is always the rugby world cup i mean when we <laughs> when we lost the was it semi or final semi i think it was about 25 years ago i think Economists calculated it cut 1% off GDP as New Zealand went into mourning. But, you know, it was interesting Sunday morning or Sunday lunchtime talking to the uh, ZB and it was just like there was this sort of euphoria across New Zealand that it was a double win, which was sort of interesting. We turfed that lot out and we rugged the Rugby World Cup. It was sort of quite an interesting mood change. But what you're saying is you don't think that changing government will immediately change the economic fortunes of new
1: zealand well it's, it's, it's not look you're right i think we're we've been in a bit of a doldrums you know i talked about it in china they, yeah, they're similar yeah. i think don't underestimate the impact that being locked up and, and having our lives dictated to you know has impacted on the kiwi psyche and you combine that with the worst summer we've ever had you know floods rain mm. terrible storms getting locked up for covid weak economy, high interest rates. It's been a pretty bloody depressing time. And so, you know, I think all we need is some light at the end of the tunnel and mm. we'll get that positivity yeah. back. So imagine, got... if,
0: imagine if there had been big job losses because, you know, through mm. all that, everyone's had a job of, of pretty much if you wanted one. Imagine how bad it would be. But then probably the economy would be in deep recession if unemployment had risen materially. And so you could arguably say we've ridden through this terribly, you know, pretty serious thing, not too scathed but equally in rather bad, Nick. And I suppose we'll come on to some of the economic factors, but just sort of thinking about policies, how important, you know, there's a bunch of things that affect property and and so on, especially. So let's just go through the things that the policies of National that will have an influence on property. So firstly, investors, what are the changes there? Well, so- Almost certainly gonna happen.
1: So there's really only the one big one, right? Which is that National will basically reintroduce interest deductibility which is today at
0: 50% of yeah. the interest and it was scheduled to go to 25% in April instead it will stay at 50 then go to 75 then go to 100 in so will that have an immediate impact on property prices or, um, or investor demand? Yeah, or is look, the I, fact I, that you're still you know got high interest rates if you buy a property And only half of it's deductible. It's like a double whammy sort of.
1: Yeah, so I think what you'll get is you will get activity off the back of that. You're going to get more active property investors who are looking for undervalued properties. They're chasing capital growth.
0: They're looking for
1: undervalued properties and they've got the affordability and the cash flow to be able to transact. So I think the single biggest issue we're going to face into is there's going to be a lot of people going, oh, I really want to get onto the property ladder now because my sense is prices have bottomed out. We've got a more property government that's more favourable towards property. There's going to be some policy changes that will support property. Interest rates are peaked. They might come down. I really want to get into property. They simply can't afford it. So Mm. the property market won't take off again because the affordability's just not there. Interest Mm. rates are too Mm. high. You know, we're testing servicing at nine percent interest rates. So the amount people can borrow, you know, compared to maybe three years ago is down about thirty percent.
0: So two years ago, you know, the I guess when interest rates were two point nine nine
1: or two point five, what were test rates then about Five and a half.
0: Five and a half. So almost well, not far off double that. Yeah. Um, so despite the loosening of some of the, the favourable sort of restoration of what was arguably right in the first place, you know, you can deduct interest when you've got a business, yeah. which is called investment property, you know, debate about capital gains is another one, but despite that loosening, it's gradual first, and secondly, interest rates is actually the constraint. And if you're a cash buyer, which surprisingly is a big part of the investment property market is actually cash buyers, you know, people yeah. that are buying as a yield play income come for their retirement, so, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. There's not an explosion from rent. You know, you'll have this sniffing around a bit more and, and a few more transactions, but we're not going to see an immediate explosion in interest from property investors.
1: No, and... Uh, does does and the bright line test make any difference? No, not no, really. And look, so then it's a supply-demand equation, right? And you sort of go, okay, well... We've had a very low level of listings over the last year because no one's wanted to sell into a weak market. And so what's happened is you've got stockpiled up on the sidelines a lot of property that people want to sell Right, but of being because the prices have been so weak, they haven't been bringing it into market. Yeah. So I'm expecting to see a lot of that property come back into the market now, post election, but all the way through next summer. Mm. So it's going to actually be a reasonable level of supply. Mm. There'll be an increase in demand, but some of that demand simply not going to be able to transact mm. because they won't be able to borrow enough to pay yeah. the prices yeah. that the vendors want. so, so, so
0: probably fair to say then that without migrants. To find somewhere to live in New Zealand, and that's probably twenty to thirty thousand more households. And you through the one hundred and ten thousand immigration, sort of thirty thousand households. Without that, the property market arguably would still be quite weak, driven by very, very high interest rates.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So
0: maybe the you know balancing each other out. Any other property-related impacts in terms of changing government?
1: Not really. I mean, I think I think the thing is, and we've talked about this a lot, right? Which is that we're still in a tightening cycle, and that you know I've still got borrowers coming off two point nine percent interest rates, even now, and they're having to go to seven, and they're like, JB, what the hell do we do, right? It's Mm. like we'll just hold out because eventually we're going to get some some reprieve on Mm. this. Mm. But the reality is, we're still tightening. Yeah, mm. And then on top of that now, we've got a, a government coming in that's going to be much more fiscally tight. Mm. So we're tightening monetary policy at the same time as we're maybe not tightening, but we're certainly not. It's,
0: it's way tighter than it has been. I mean, yeah. that was the, the policy, the fiscal stance of both governments and economists have acknowledged that fiscal conditions were going to be tighter under both. I think mm. perhaps there's a belief that national will deliver, centre right government will deliver, that fiscal tightening which may or may not have been deliberate if we had a sort of centre-left government so yeah so so the fiscal tightness does that mean anything different for any markets in New Zealand like you know historically Wellington and probably still arguably even more so today Wellington has a lot of government employees um, yes and so if the government sector is getting smaller or if the consultants working for the government sector accounting firms and things like that aren't getting the income does that mean Wellington's market might behave a little differently from the rest of New Zealand and potentially have some weakness or is is Wellington already seen through that weakness because it's been the biggest fall of a major metro in terms of fall from peak of any Mm. market yeah I think at the bottom was it's down over 25 percent yes it went up 50 percent I think the average across New Zealand from fall from peak was something like 17 I think
1: yeah that's a reality right so with a centre-right government, Wellington coming off the back of probably a a pretty big investment in the public sector. There's got to be some impact from that. But as you say, look, house prices down there were already down 20%. And there's some interesting dynamics down there because, you know, land is reasonably scarce in, in Wellington. So it's a city that, struggles to grow anyway. Hmm. It grows at the edges, really. I yeah, mean, yeah. I, I guess that the main theme for me would be, you know, we've got this economic malice. You know, the economy's not that strong. I think you've said before, I've certainly said before, you know, if you look at our GDP, even though we're not technically in recession, with the level of immigration that's coming in at the moment, we're actually going backwards. Yeah,
0: GDP per capita has been falling we, quite strongly. Quite a lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, was,
1: that was last week's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, look Yeah, yeah, we're getting poorer, right? Yeah. And so things aren't great. It's not that bad. We shouldn't get all depressed about it. But it's not a strong economy, and that is flowing through into the numbers. And I think from from our perspective, when we're talking about that, we're thinking about interest rates. Mm. And I guess that's a strong driver for our belief mm. that we're going to start seeing interest rates decreasing. By hey, the so, rates, yeah. so, JB,
0: let's pivot to inflation. And you know, here's a little anecdote and on Stuff This Week. There was a story that was someone had found a receipt from shopping at Countdown 20 years ago in Christchurch. And yeah. so what the journo did was take that receipt, find all the items on it, Today, there are two or three that aren't there today, but yep. fed all the items today and priced the difference and so on. But do you know what surprised me was the price had gone from something like $54 for the basket of however many items it was, 34 items, to, I think it was something like $77. And before I got to that in the article, I was thinking, man, that will be you know mm. double or something like that. Mm. And, and the fact is that that was about right. Food inflation has been about 77% in the last 20 years and mm. wages have risen 100%, have doubled. So yeah. actually, at the moment, it's it cheaper. feels like food prices are really expensive. Surprise to me anyway, that food prices relatively to 20 years ago and relative to wages are cheaper. Anyway, there's an anecdote on inflation maybe it's not as strong over time as we think and wage growth has exceeded it but this week we had an inflation read were you surprised by that what what happened firstly and were you surprised by well, that?
1: well i guess we're talking about annualized inflation now down to 5.6 i think it was yeah, yep. yeah. down
0: from in the forecast in the market Well, i think we had reserve bank at 6.1 yeah we had one of the banks at 5.8 Went at 5.9. The average was, I think, 6 or 6.1, and it came in at 5.6.
1: I'm not surprised because we've been calling it for a while. We're like, you can't tighten credit conditions as much as we have been, and just expect to see these high inflation numbers continue to come through. Partly, you know, look, really bad immigration, and that there seems to be a huge amount of fraud and, and mismanagement with the people coming in but it has done its job to alleviate some yeah. of those labor areas, market labor market yeah. pressures, right? I think the thing is that I was talking to someone about this the other day, and the thing is that what we've got to realize is that when you lock your country down for a good couple of years, it actually takes a while to get it firing again, mm. particularly for New Zealand, because we've always had this need for um, a lot of this sort of short-term employment to to mop up a lot of these lower-skilled jobs in hospitality, retail, farm workers and tourism, right? And we've used our foreign student kind of sell New Zealand work visa scheme Mm -hmm. to do that. And and then we've had obviously lots of short-stay students and stuff coming through the country as well. But the interesting thing with that is that that reliance on those foreign students getting their work visas at the end of study is at the end of a study period, when they all disappear and you bring them back again, they don't go straight into the workforce. So it's actually quite difficult to restart that part of the economy. And that's what we've experienced. And that's why we had such a mad rush to bring people into the country, yeah. right? Because yeah. it doesn't fix itself. And yeah.
0: And so how has that flowed through into inflation then?
1: Well, I think it's taken the pressure off wage right. inflation. Yeah. Certainly when you think about things like food, hospitality, those areas where the labour shortages I think, were. Yeah. yeah, in fact, I think a
0: recent business survey asked the question, what's the biggest constraint on your business? For two years, it was labour. I can't find it. Yeah. It's not anymore. It's actually gone quite low. It's making enough sales, <laughs> which that- is not at all surprising, because, you know, so if we think about that inflation outcome, JB, so below expectation, well below expectation, interestingly overnight in canada we had exactly the same outcome inflation yep. came in well below expectation it happened in australia a few weeks ago yeah us it's maybe not so much i think um, so well, there are quite a few examples so why are economists underpicking the fall of inflation the inflationary
1: level is it I, th- I think there's just too much fixation on the us market right and the us market's interesting because of course what's not happening there is that people get 30-year fixed rate mortgages yeah. So, yeah. Actually,
0: I saw something that showed the average interest rate on mortgages of the US had risen 0.2%. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, how can that be? And of course, it's because everyone's at a 30-year fixed rate. When mm-hmm. rates are falling, they prepaid and get a lower rate. When rates are rising, they'll sit there on their hands and do nothing. And so the impact of monetary policy tightening on the housing sector is actually the household sector is really muted. They, their transmission, because of, I guess is more through
1: personal debt and the business lending, right? And through the share market. Yeah, yeah. And so it's really a change yeah. in wealth mechanism.
0: So for us in New Zealand, then, we've still got a pretty strong period ahead of monetary policy tightening. Is that a fair observation? The OCR's the same, but yeah. New Zealand is in tight and tightening monetary conditions today, tomorrow, and for how long to come?
1: Uh, look, I would say pro- we've probably got at least another six to nine months of this flowing through. it's yeah. you know? sort
0: of a long tail. People that took a five-year rate yeah. you know, three years ago have got two more years to go. So you've got another year of pretty extreme pain. Yeah. For increasing, not just extreme, but increasing pain. On average. Which is, com- which is
1: coming out of Kiwi's wallets. Yeah. And then that's coming through to lower retail sales. And I think we were talking about this earlier in the week, but we're now in a position where we've been experiencing a drop in unit sales for a while. You know, people are making their dollars mm. go, for, buying less, but spending yeah. the same amount. Yeah. Yeah. What we've seen more recently is an actual drop in the dollar yeah, sales. Yeah, yeah. extraordinary. Yeah. As well as unit yeah. sales. So, so, yeah. so
0: the dollar value of sales... Fell the unit amount of sales fell even more, and yet wages are growing. So the difference is going to interest, I guess.
1: Yeah, or overseas holidays maybe. Well, (laughs) and and look, it's going to hit business, right? Mm. That's the ultimate transmission mechanism. Is that businesses are making less money they're investing yeah. less and you start to the unemployment j- j- rate go up
0: JB I guess what this boils down to is we have got very tight monetary conditions which are tightening by the day so here's the thing I look at so we've had the inflation rate it's falling you know the right things are happening no surprises because when you hit an economy with a sledgehammer you know then that's going to crack right mm. so it was inevitable it would happen mm. unless there was some other external sort of shock which there hasn't been, the, the yeah, the inflation's turned, it's heading down and so on, might take a while. Why the heck are wholesale interest rates at exactly the same level today as they were four weeks ago when the whole market was predicting inflation to be a year and a half a percent higher? How could that be? What's what, what's happening in the
1: wholesale market? Yeah, again, I think there's still a lot of focus on you know, the global level in the US, right? Right, I think, yeah. uh well, I, no- I noticed
0: US two-year rates, Treasury rates rose 12 basis points last yeah. night. So, yes, yeah. interest rates should have fallen more in New Zealand probably because of the inflation, but then there's just sentiment thing. But then market sentiment can change rapidly. You know, We could probably see a 25.4 in interest rates I, 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 overnight one day and the next month. Yeah,
1: I, look, I think it's got to be some pretty weak economic news that drives it because... Mm-hmm. The thing is, we've got a a relatively weak Kiwi dollar right, which is going to support holding interest rates higher for longer in the absence of the economy tanking. If the economy Mm. tanks, they won't be so worried about supporting the dollar, and Mm. you'll see the interest rates come back, but we'll also see a pretty weak currency, would Mm. be be my view of it, especially against the US dollar. Yeah. Well, that said, though, the surprise
0: in the numbers was inflation was, what was it, 1.8 in the quarter, but I think 1% of that was household stuff, which was rates, insurance, and rents yeah and then I think it was 0.5 was petrol, petrol. was the removal yep. of the petrol subsidy. subsidy and then rising petrol prices take those out you know rates and that you get the, the whole year of rates in one go insurance we know that's been going up and mm-hmm. rents because there's been a um, you know tight market interest rates are high you know interest deductibility so been removed and so you mm-hmm. know landlords have been putting up rent to make sort of the ends meet so to speak and so you know, So I look at it and go, underlying it was actually a very, very weak underlying number, even though that core non-tradable inflation yep. was high, it was things we knew, rates, insurance, rent. Hey, so what does it mean for retail interest rates then? So like I say, we sort of modest fall in like the one-year wholesale interest rate, two-year wholesale interest rate. Can we expect to see quite a substantial fall soon in
1: any of those wholesale rates, do you think? I think you're going to see a fall. I don't think we're going back to where we were. So I think one of the interesting things from my perspective is globally, there's been some structural shifts, not only as a result of COVID, but also just the whole geopolitical situation you know russia ukraine what's happening in israel now with mm. palestine and the west bank so does that mean
0: there's an embedded higher inflation global i think so you know last minute supply chain sort of management that, yeah you know, there's a whole lot of dynamics that are changing
1: so there. so yeah like um supply chain security has become important globalization has been de-emphasized and it's become a bit more of a geopolitical tool right and yeah. So, you know, the idea of sweatshops in China and India basically producing really low costs, goods, is somewhat disappearing. Mm.
0: Yeah, well, yes, disappearing might not be the word, but it's not growing at the pace it was, perhaps.
1: Y- yeah, yeah. well, no, but even in these economies, wage rates are going up. Like, you yeah. go to China and people don't want to live like that anymore, right? So you can only go so far, even with these developing economies, before their expectations around their wages, healthcare, education, everything starts to increase. So I think we got a real kicker from globalisation early on as we lifted a lot of these... Sort of developing countries up uh, we've got a lot of benefit from that that's disappearing i mean we're starting to move into other places like vietnam and stuff but the reality is that costs have increased. Then you overlay what's really interesting is greenhouse global warming. Mm. People are backtracking on that at the moment. If you've noticed around mm. the world, you know governments are sort of starting to pull back a bit on that because of the state of their economies, mm. which is interesting. But you know because of the added cost of these things, and then obviously you know there's a big issue potentially looming with oil. Mm because we haven't been doing enough oil exploration. So I think oil costs are going higher. So there is a level of embedded inflation that I, th- I think hasn't been there for the last 20 years that's gonna be there, but not to the extent that we've seen that when we've been trying to restart these economies. Hey, hey so if I sort of summarise, you know, maybe
0: you know, the theme for recent months with economist views in New Zealand has been either higher, longer in other words where we are plus some for longer mm. or high for longer which is and they've been really those two camps what was interesting after the inflation number we've got a couple of banks still calling for an OCR hike in February which <laughs> is like one percent probability is how I describe it I can't believe they sort of stick to it they'd move their pick out from November to sort of February but hey that's their their call and I guess probably their traders are trading off the back of that in the wholesale rooms one or two economists have sort of gone actually Cut in May. I see our cut in May. Is, I think that was Kiwi Bank, and then you've got a sort of got between later next year, early the year after. My view is that we will probably be surprised when the fall comes, how fast it happens, but that is some way away. And so you know we're probably talking. You know, wholesale markets anticipate. So when the mood swings, it probably needs another inflation read or a very weak labour yep. market number or something like a big jump in unemployment. You know that sort yep. of thing when we get that it's like boom you know this economy is in really bad shape inflation is going to come under control and so you know i can see the wholesale markets falling 25 to 50 points inside a week when that happens but when that happens could be one month six months four months three months so who knows so you know my, my sort of reflection is you know those short terms remain the best value in terms of when that fall happens is it within a year if so then you get the benefit of falling rates but you've got protection in the meantime you know to go two years quite possibly you know you locked it in a higher rate and and you're wishing you hadn't gone two years so (laughs) you know my sort of gut feel not specific advice for customers but my sort of general perspective is one year remains about the right term.
1: I, I yeah look my view is one year if you feel comfortable if you're nervous and anxious about interest rates, then go as far as two years, but certainly shouldn't be fixing Not any beyond. longer than that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, hey, let's wrap it up there, JB. Yeah. Catch you next week for episode quarter of a century, 25 next week. So uh, maybe there's a little celebration there. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Cheers. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you have any questions or things you'd like us to talk about in the future, get in touch with us at david at squirrel.co.nz or john at squirrel.co.nz. And please do share this uh, and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not financial advice or a recommendation of any financial product. Any commentary provided are personal views and are not necessarily representative of the opinions of Squirrel. As always, we recommend seeking professional investment or mortgage advice before taking any action.